When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Rage Quit, the video game discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. This is the Bear of Texas reporting live from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of Texas. Today, ladies and gentlemen, my subject is 007 GoldenEye on the Nintendo 64. Quite frankly, the game that was not only such a great impact on my childhood, but quite frankly, this game is what introduced me and got hooked for life in the art of first-person shooter. Because I will say today, ladies and gentlemen, that when I was a little kid, we didn't have Call of Duty. We didn't have Counter-Strike. We didn't have Halo. Okay, well, Halo was, you know, when I got older. But I'm talking about when I was 7, 8 years old. Halo didn't come out till I was about 10. James Bond, 007 GoldenEye. I swear to you, when I was a kid, around the ages of 7 through 9 years old, this was the game to have. Now, I'm going to take you guys on something a little personal on me. If For those of you who know me quite well, you know... Damn well that I'm a huge fan of the James Bond movie series. I love James Bond overall. I like the movies. I like the games. And quite frankly, if there's memorabilia to collect, if I can get it, I will get it. I guess the bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, is that I am a James Bond junkie. I don't know how it started. Well, you know what? No. I know how it started. In 1999, when The World Is Not Enough came out, my dad actually asked me, Alex, you want to go see the movie? And much to my surprise, I was actually shocked that he would actually ask me if I wanted to see the film because I knew I wanted to, but I felt like if I asked him if, he can, if I can go see it, my parents would say no. But around that time is when I was being introduced by the 007 GoldenEye game, so that's when the James Bond junkie roots officially begun. So when I played the game for the first time, I immediately fell in love. And believe it or not, it was not the multiplayer that made me love the game. I mean, multiplayer on the game is unique, it's cool, but in my case, I've never really been much of a multiplayer game. Okay, well, maybe that's not right to say. It's just for me, I always like playing games solo, okay? But 007 GoldenEye was just such an amazing game that... Once you beat it for the first time on the regular difficulty, you are more than determined 
to go back and play the game on much higher difficulties, and that's exactly what I did. Unbelievable. You know, and quite frankly, here's here's a fact. GoldenEye is actually the first person the first ever first person shooter game to feature both a single and a multiplayer mode. And speaking of the multiplayer mode, I remember all these kinds of games you can play, the characters you can pick, you can pick all the characters from all the James Bond films like the main bad guys, the henchmen. It was so cool. It was pretty cool. And you know, in this, as far as the uh, the multiplayer goes, I mean, I always remember playing with the Moonraker laser. I mean, I was like, in my case, that's a gun where at least the ammo never runs out. I figured there's also obviously the gold uh, PPK, the golden gun also from the from the film. You know, there, there's a lot of Easter eggs in the game that really take you through the whole James Bond film franchise. Like there's that mission where you're in the Severnaya, you're in the uh, in Siberia when you're locked up in the cell. And you gotta get you gotta get the jail cell key using the magnet, magnet from the watch. I mean, that was a reminiscence of the electromagnetic watch from the Live and Let Die film in 1973. And you know, obviously, as a kid, you know, when I started playing the game and I was playing it all the time, I had not seen all the James Bond films yet. So once uh, you know, I, w- I would learn from these and I would go see the films. Like, huh? So that's where this came from. That's where that came from. Like, like the Golden Gun that came from the movie, The Man with the Golden Gun. The moon, the Moonraker laser uh, gun that came from the movie Moonraker. That's just what I'm saying. I mean, obviously the PPK and the silence, and that's just James Bond in a, in a nutshell. But you just you just see a lot of things, really do. You know, aside from the game, you know, and, and as we know, this game is obviously based on. It's uh, speaking of all the films, this game is actually based on the 1995 James Bond film GoldenEye, which, in my opinion. Is one of the best ones out there. It was actually Pierce Brosnan's first appearance as James Bond. He would go on to do it again in two years with Tomorrow Never Dies, and then two years later he would do, he would be in The World Is Not Enough, and in two thousand two he would make his final appearance in Die Another Day. And I can actually say that Pierce Brosnan is great, but if we're gonna talk about the goat of being James Bond, that's always gonna be Sean Connery. Just my opinion, but nonetheless. Pierce Brosnan sure was awesome. I'm going to be honest, you know, when I saw the film, I went back and played the game because I wanted to see just how much the game actually follows the movie. And it does accurately, although there are some levels that were actually never in the game. Like, obviously, uh, the level when you're in the, um, you're in that missile silo, that was never in the movie. Um, the, also the, those, well, those, those two levels where you're in the Severnaya in Siberia, I guess that was just something they threw in the game, they just, you know, just decided to add, add those levels, I mean, Severnaya is obviously in the movie, but you never see James Bond there, so, that was, uh, something pretty cool, uh, cool. uh but also the, that second to last mission, when you're in the caverns, that was never in the, in the film either, but nonetheless, overall, it did in fact follow the game, but I guess the the producers and the creators of the game just decided to throw in a couple extra levels. But and speaking of bonus levels, there was actually two bonus levels. There was the Aztec, and I think it was the uh, the Egyptian temple. And in one of them, in, in the temple, you you see the uh, the voodoo warrior from Live and Let Die, uh, Baron Semedi. And in the Aztec level, you see Jaws. Huh. 
possibly the most underrated, most entertaining henchman in the James Bond series. Big tall dude, silver teeth. And if you if you guys saw Moonraker, he falls in love with that girl and he changes. And and speaking of Jaws, if any of you James Bond fans are listening to this, I did research, thorough research, because I wanted to know what made the producers of the Moonraker, what made the director decide to turn Jaws into a good guy. Because, and when I finally found what the answer, it's because Jaws apparently received a letter from a child who was a huge fan of his to ask him to turn into a good guy. Because I'm pretty sure that the producers and the directors never had the intention of turning Jaws into a good guy. So the fact that they did it all because a little kid who was a huge fan of Richard Keel asked to be turned into a good guy, they did it. But you know what? Turning Jaws into a good guy obviously was not a bad idea. Now, going through this game, most of the people I've talked to, you know, who were teenagers when this game came out, they said that the game was easy for them. I mean, for me, it surely was not easy for me. I mean, I was stuck on some levels for several days, you know, sometimes even weeks, because I couldn't understand the objectives, because keep in mind, I was just, you know, I was a kid when this game came out. This game came out August 21st, 1997. Now, I was still four years old when this game came out, but I didn't play it for the first time. It's, okay, the first time I played it was in 98. But I didn't actually have the game until 1999, when I was six years old. So, that's pretty much. I mean, I'm not sure exactly when I had the game. It was either in late 99. It was either in late 99 or early 2000. You know, I was. You know, if I was, so I was honestly, I think the the best guess for me is I'm pretty sure I was seven. I was honestly probably seven years old when I got the game. But but regardless, you know, I was a kid. I really couldn't understand these objectives. I really had to ask my friends to actually how to beat the level. They would have to tell me exactly what to do, and I had to remember it in my head. And then, you know, when you grow up, you, when you're actually more mature, you're smart enough to actually read the objectives thoroughly and understand what's going on, the game really doesn't seem doesn't seem to be difficult. But, you know, as a kid, really, there's some levels I hated. Like, that level when you're in the, in the statue park in St. Petersburg, Russia, what I hate about the game is that you know, sometimes when you're that objective, you're supposed to unmask Yanis, who, of course, as you know, is Alex Trevelyan, the former MI6 agent who was James Bond's best friend. If, if y'all know, y'all know the story, y'all seen the film. Uh, Alex Trevelyan faked his death and turns out to be the bad guy in Golden Eye. But anyway, in that level, you unmask him. That's where you find out that it, that it's him, and then boom. But the most frustrating part is when you're waiting at the statue, you're waiting for him to show up. All these soldiers keep coming at you, and you're just like, "When's this gonna happen? When's this gonna happen?" But other than that, I mean, the level really itself wasn't bad, although I was stuck on it for a few weeks because I couldn't understand that when you go back to the helicopter and everything like that, you know, I didn't understand. Like, at the end, when you see that uh, other Russian dude and you, and you rescue the girl, Natalia, like, I didn't know that you were not supposed to shoot any of the guards, and I would always do it, and the mission would fail, and I couldn't understand why. But then I realized you're not supposed to do it. You're just supposed to go there, talk to the guy, and that's it. And that's what I mean. Like, when you're too young to play the game, you really are too young to play the game. It's just like that. Now, as, what, what I really love so much about the game, you know, all, all the arsenal of guns, you know, there's the silencer, the silenced uh, Walther PPK, there's the Moonraker laser gun, of course, all these assault rifles, the AK-47s and everything, it's... I always thought the I always thought those the cool arsenal of weapons you know to be awesome. I, I mean, but you know what I also found really cool is when he paused the game, 
basically you go into James Bond watch like you see it's like he's looking at his watch and then it's like that I I always found that to be pretty cool but quite frankly is the game's soundtrack that's what made me fall in love with game soundtracks it, it most importantly not only did I really spark an interest in video game soundtracks it taught me to appreciate the soundtracks of video games because believe it or not folks a video game soundtrack is quite important because I know that Along with many of you out there, plays video games. Uh, excuse me, plays uh, music from video games on Spotify, YouTube, and other other platforms. I'll proudly admit that I do. I mean, just ten minutes ago, before I was recording this, I was actually listening to the GoldenEye soundtrack because I felt that it would help me get through this certain episode. Because flying solo right now, and that's actually pretty pretty difficult, believe it or not. But anyway, I. I don't know exactly. You know, I was I always asked which level was my favorite. I mean, the truth is, I don't have a favorite level. I just love the game. I mean, some levels were super easy, and some of them were actually pretty hard. In my opinion, the easiest level, obviously, is the first level. Like, if you play the first level, and you play it on, on, on the easiest difficulty, the only objective that you have to do is you're supposed to jump jump off that thing. That's it. All you got to do is jump. But then, as you play in, in the higher difficulties, there's other these other there's more objectives added, in, which I've done, and it's really not that bad. But but if we're talking about my favorite mission, I mean, it's honestly really tough, really tough to tell. But if I, if I'm gonna give you a guess, really, I'm probably gonna have to go with either the jungle level. Or probably the level when you're in the military archives in St. Petersburg. when the, How that mission starts when you're in the interrogation room. You're being interrogated because it's it's right after the statue level when you get arrested along with Natalia. And, you know, those guards tell you that, you know, you're going to be executed for crimes against, you know, whatever. But, I if, if take a while, guys, I would say those two missions are probably my favorite. Why? Because... You know they were challenging, and I and even as a kid, I, I realized you know if there's a challenge, that's what makes it fun. But as a kid, I, you know it took it took me so long to understand that. But but Double Seven Golden Eye really just gives you the ability you know to be challenged, and you know that's just how it was. But I I can't say like you know if we're talking also well. You know, a lot of people say this this wasn't part of the movie, but it was like that that level when you're in the control, when you're in that you know Lianas facility in Cuba. After, it's after the jungle level. I always found that I found that episode to be overall it was okay, but when you're in that level when you have to protect uh, Natalia when she's on the computer and whatnot, I always found that part to be super annoying. Okay, because soldiers come ev- coming everywhere, you got to reload. I mean, there's some are shooting you, some of them are shooting at her. It was just so tough. I mean, it's so frustrating, like, you know, mission fail, like, either you die or, you know, she would be killed, and then the, the game would be, would be a result in a mission failed. I was just like, God damn it, why can't, I can't do this right. And, you know, going back to, and speaking of the, uh, the level in the, in the jungle, see, I like how at the beginning of the level, you know, you, you've just, you know, crashed on the plane, then you're going through the jungle, then you cross a bridge, and all of a sudden you see, all of a sudden you have to fight Senya on a top. Well, I remember it, the super hot female assassin that can kill you by squeezing you to death with her legs. 
if you've seen the film, like I said, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But, and it's so ironic, in the film, how the character dies, being squeezed to death by a rope from a helicopter on a tree, and then James Bond sarcastically says, and I quote, she always did enjoy a good squeeze. <laughs> now in the film, I thought that was so hilarious. But in the game, the way, how you deal with her, it's, it's so different. But I figured, you know what, this is a video game. I guess at the time, that they couldn't really make it the same way, but... But at least in the video game, at least in the movie, they, they really added some humor to it, so I, I am really grateful for that. But going back to the soundtrack, now, when we're talking about my favorite level based on the soundtrack, I clearly don't have a, a straight answer for you. Because the soundtrack overall, in a nutshell, is absolutely brilliant, okay? And the game's music actually had its uh, it had an inclusion of the James Bond theme, basically at the beginning at the beginning of the game. You know, there's you know James Bond walking in that circle, and then he shoots in your direction. But then the blood comes out, and the James Bond theme's playing. That was amazing. Okay, absolutely amazing. But also, you know, the pause menu, the music in the pause menu also was absolutely phen phenomenal. But, you know what? I'm going to take it all back, ladies and gentlemen. I do have a level where my favorite... If we're talking about my favorite level as far as the soundtrack goes, I have to go with the statue level. And for those of you who know the statue level music, if you remember it really well, I am pretty sure that when you listen to it on YouTube or on your, uh, if you find it on Spotify you know, somehow, which I haven't done, if it's out there, let me know, please. You have that nostalgic feeling. I mean... You have the goosebumps, you know, the hair in the back of your head is standing up. I mean, it's magical, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I'm trying to say. It is absolutely magical. That's why I'm so glad I was able to learn at a young age, you have to appreciate a unique soundtrack of such a unique and amazing video game. That's why I do not exaggerate that soundtracks are essential and quite important to a video game. If a video game has a if a video game is popular but the soundtrack is not out there, then overall the popularity of the video game is badly negatively affected. That's just how I see it. But speaking also of appreciating video game soundtracks, the soundtrack of the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, that's one soundtrack where you do more than appreciate it. It's just absolutely amazing. It's magical. It really talks to you. I'm gonna be honest, and I'm and I'm not surprised, but Goldeneye 007 is often regarded as one of the greatest video games of all time. To be honest, it is. Okay, especially if you were if you started with the, if you were playing in the days of the Nintendo 64. Look, speaking of the as far as the Nintendo 64 goes, ladies and gentlemen, Goldeneye 007 is definitely in the top ten of video games. I mean, as far as top five goes, I mean, some people say it is. But I think overall, based on 99% of the critics, I mean, Goldeneye 007 has to be in the top 10. Okay. And from what I'm reading is that apparently a month after the game, uh, the game's reviews were published, Electronic Gaming Monthly ranked it in the 25th best console video game of all time and, quote, easily the best movie game and, most importantly, the best first-person game ever. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, during that time... First-person sure games were out there, but they weren't as intense as as GoldenEye 007. I mean, GoldenEye 007 on the N64 really changed the nature and really 
skyrocketed the reputation of first-person shooter games. I mean, I might be wrong for saying this. A lot of people will probably not agree with me, but I feel like if it wasn't for 007 Goldeneye, we probably would not have Call of Duty. Or at least Call of Duty and the likes of Halo would not be as unique as they are because 007 Goldeneye really shaped up a new era of art of video games, especially for first-person shooter games, okay? Um, well, I can also say this. If you guys remember, in 2000, there was a game called Perfect Dark. And I know a lot of you, if you play 007 Goldeneye, then obviously you were more than compelled to play Perfect Dark, okay? It's basically considered a spiritual successor, okay? And it basically, it has the reimagining of the game, okay? So basically, I mean... This is, is true. This is no exaggeration. The fact is, they wouldn't be Perfect Dark if it wasn't for 007 Goldeneye. Okay. And it does not surprise me, you know, at all, but... But based on, on this research, I mean, you know, I, I felt like I really had to do it, you know. But also from this game, you know, it not only introduced me to first-person shooter, ladies and gentlemen, it also taught me about stealth elements, Okay. Because there were some times, you know, I felt like you have to sneak around, but I always felt that sometimes to be pretty impossible. Like, in the jungle level specifically, that's where I would try to do the most stealth that I can, but ultimately I just could not do it, okay? And what amazes me, well, okay, I don't know if I should say what amazes me is, you know, Double Seven Goldeneye was actually the very first video game to be created based on a James Bond film. But what's so, what's what's really ironic? It, well, it took two and a half years to develop the game because the game, believe it or not, was actually released uh, shortly. It was actually right before Tomorrow Never Dies was came out. Okay, and they actually did make a, a game on Tomorrow Never Dies, although it was not on the Nintendo sixty four. It was on the PlayStation. Because I remember when I would ask my parents uh, to buy me the Double Seven Goldeneye. My mom would repeatedly tell me that it's only on the PlayStation. I'm like, no, mom, it's on the it's on the N64. But then I I realized, and, and then when I got the game, and, and then I learned that there was a Tomorrow Never Dies video game, I was like, huh, okay, there, well, there you go. That's how my mom got the idea that it was on the PlayStation because, you know, my parents really know have no interest in video games, you know. <laughs> And, you know, me being a an avid gamer as a kid, all I did, all I did as a kid, all I wanted to do really was play video games. I was not the kind of kid who wanted to go play outside, who wanted to do all these other activities. I just wanted to stay inside and play video games. I mean, video games was what what, what made me happy. But anyway, you know, the problem was, you know, development began in 1995, and that was the same year that Golden Knight came out. But based on the research was that it was the development of the game was handled by a team that was pretty ex inexperienced. And it was uh, led by a dude named Martin Hollis, who was actually uh, formerly a programmer for uh, a coin-op version of, a, of Killer Instinct, which I really don't really know anything about, quite frankly. But, you know... And, fr and, and, from, I, and from all this research, you know, the game... Didn't have any high expectations, but it did. It, in fact, you know, it received you know, you know, very positive reviews, and eight, a total of over eight million copies, you know, were sold. I mean, Goldeneye is actually, ladies and gentlemen, and this is what's amazing, 
it's often considered to be the third best-selling video game in the history of the Nintendo 64. Super Mario 64 obviously is the number one, and then followed by Mario Kart 64. It is so amazing that GoldenEye 007 is actually right above the likes of The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Super Smash Bros., Diddy Kong Racing. <laughs> it's amazing, okay? Absolutely amazing. And that's why it's it's really got to be in the top five. I mean, some people say in the top ten because everybody has their opinion, but in my, but in, in my opinion... Well, okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to dissect a little bit. If we're talking about top ten video games of all time, and that includes... Every system out there, GoldenEye has to be in the top 10, but some people don't even have it there. But anyway, but if we're talking specifically just the Nintendo 64, there's no reason that GoldenEye can't be in your, in your top 5. Unless you've not played the game. If, you, if you've not played the game, well, I, I mean, I don't want to be like that kind of guy that says you missed out on a lot, but GoldenEye 007 was really quite a life changer. To be honest, it was kind of a game. I, I, I am pretty sure. I have no doubt that my parents were worried about me playing that game all the time because of the, because the game was rated teen. And it was actually a pretty violent game. But, nope. The game just made me a huge James Bond fan. It made me a huge fan of first-person first shooter games. And, honestly, as far as you know, gaming skills go, it, it taught me that if a game is too easy, it's not fun. I mean, I also learned that playing The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Because if you want to talk about a game that's a, that's a super challenge, or if you want to talk about a game that to say that it's a challenge is, a, is an understatement, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time is that perfect example. I mean, right now, based on rating, like a little, like eight million ninety thousand copies were sold, and that is pretty cool. And as far as Super Mario sixty four goes, you know they're just you know a little under 12, 12 million s sales. I mean. Today, if you find a copy of, of those kinds of games like Super Mario 64 and Mario Kart 64, GoldenEye 007, Super Smash Bros., if you find an unopened copy of the game, I mean, you are you feel compelled not to even open it and play it. Because those games at this point, they're considered artifacts. I mean, especially for these super, you know, video game nerds. You know, I spoke to one, and he said that if he were to find a game still in the original box... Like he would, he he wouldn't even want to. He wouldn't even want to open it. He, he he would be so careful. He would put it in a case and keep it carefully protected. You know, as a kid, I really I really would question. I mean, is it really worth? Is it really that? How you say valuable? Is it worth it to keep it protected? But now, as an adult, I t I totally get it. I told you because honestly, gaming is not what it was back in the day. The games that we see today, like or the games that we had on the, on the N sixty four, on the PlayStation, they don't make them like this anymore. I mean, games are just not as unique, they're not as creative, and they're not really as challenging as the uh, as what we saw back in the day. So you know, quite frankly, I, I should tell you folks that to say that I am blessed, that I'm grateful that we had such games when I was a little kid, when I was getting the gaming, is an understatement because you know I just can't imagine. If I were a kid today and, you know, seeing how video games are not as fun anymore, I would be basically, you know, forever bitter of the fact that I was not around when video games were really at the peak of its generation. Or, in the words of the great Wiley, a.k.a. The Venomous Stare, it would be frustrating to know live with the fact that I was not there when the art of video games was in God-tier mode.
mean, this this has to be so worked up, ladies and gentlemen. You know, this game really had the influence. So, like, when I talk about all the influence it had on me, it's not just on me, but it's the influence of gaming, like I said, because, you know, it really influenced the future of stealth games and first-person shooter, okay? And what I'm going to do, video game journalists have praised GoldenEye Double Center for proving that it is possible to create a fun first-person shooter experience, okay, on a console for both single-player and multiplayer, because, remember, even in multiplayer, it was first-person shooter. <coughs> Excuse me. But, you know, it, you know, in a nutshell, really, and I might have to say this already, 007 GoldenEye changed video games. It really did. Not just in the art, not just in the genre of first-person shooter games or, you know, those kind of, like, shooting games. It changed video games overall. You know, I, I just can't imagine, you know. You, you know, sometimes, you know, if, if you guys read my my sports writing work, lately for the website I work for, Primetime Sports Talk, I've been doing a lot of what-if uh genre articles, you know, regarding sports, but sometimes I do actually think, what if GoldenEye 007 on the N64 never came out? Holy shit. I just can't. You know, I, okay, you know what? If it never came out, really, I probably would not have gone into first-person shooter games until probably Call of Duty, because as a kid... I never played. I never played Counter Strike. I did play Halo only, although only at a friend's house. I, I didn't have my first Halo game until a friend of mine bought me one, you know, as a birthday gift because you know, obviously, you know, my parents wouldn't wouldn't let me have one. But I'm not. I just you know, really, I I just really can't imagine it. But what you know, what I've also noticed was you know. The the game was actually developed by a company called Rare, and it was published by Nintendo. But it was published by Nintendo, but a company, a British video game developer, and a, who's also a studio for the Xbox Game Studios called Rare. You know, it, it's I, I think now it's called Rare Limited. It's in England. Actually, developed the game. Okay, because I noticed the next James, the next couple of James Bond games, they were all developed by Electronic Arts. I mean, to be honest, you know. I, I, I did play, I never really played the game Tomorrow Never Dies. I mean, I played it once at a friend's house who had it, but I never actually had the game so I can play the entire story. But but I from what I understand from what, all these uh, game streams that I've seen on YouTube of the gameplay, it does actually follow the, the, the movie as well. I mean, so does the game for the world's not enough, so. But, you know, uh, Electronic Arts would then publish these other new uh, James Bond games, like, you know, after, you know, Tomorrow Never Dies and the world's not enough were both by Electronic Arts, and then Agent Under Fire, Night Fire, Everything or Nothing, they were all by uh, Electronic Arts. And there was also that game, you know, GoldenEye Rogue Agent, which really... Well, actually, that... Yes, okay, confirming, yes. It was, in fact, uh, it was developed by EA Los Angeles and published published by Electronic Arts. But GoldenEye Rogue Agent, that's just, you know, that was amazing, really. I love that game. It does have it, 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 James Bond is mentioned in it if you remember the first level, but it, it it really does you know really just it it really it, it's magical you, you know I I'm I love the game so much I mean I'm having a hard time putting my words together and I apologize for that but 
But what I love so much about GoldenEye Rogue Agent, you know, aside from the story and the levels and the gameplay, was that Odd Job, Senia Anatop, Francisco Scanamanga, they were all in the game. Okay, Goldfinger, Dr. No. I mean, what's amazing, in the game, you work for Goldfinger. In the game, you're not a good guy. If you remember the game, you are dismissed by MI6 and you become a rogue agent, okay? You are recruited by Goldfinger to work in his organization because Goldfinger is at war with Dr. No. Whoever would have imagined that? Two members of the most powerful criminal organization in the world, Spectre. Two dudes who are at war, okay? I would imagine in this scenario that Spectre is probably dead if these two dudes are at war. Or maybe they're no longer part of Spectre. Maybe they're freelance. I don't know. That's just what makes the whole game unique. But basically, the whole point of the game is that the, the, the character's name, you know, GoldenEye, an XMI6 agent, recruited by Goldfinger to assassinate Dr. No. If that's not a, if that's not a, a cool story, really, I don't even know what is. But it's just the influence of that James Bond game really just... It, it's touched so many lives, but... But speaking of GoldenEye 007, in 2010, the game ca the game came back. Of course, it was different. Like you know, the the graphics, the the structure of the game. You know, obviously, instead of Pierce Brosnan likeness, it was Daniel Craig's likeness. I I didn't actually. I never played the 2000. Okay, actually, no, I take that back. I did play a little bit of it on on the back when I had the Nintendo Wii, but. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't. I didn't like it really. I didn't. I did not like the the new 007, you know, Golden Knight from 2010. I, I I really didn't. I mean, despite the fact that that you know it was also you know contemporary first person shooter, new level layouts, and you know different online multiplayer. I I just didn't like it really. It's not so much because like I felt like it's not it's not original. It's not as authentic. I just feel like, you know what, my heart belongs to the original one on the N64, so I'm going to keep it like that. That's just how I feel about it, but really, the game just, it just never it just never took me, it just never got my interest, it never caught my interest. I mean, I just played it just to, just to check it out, because I wanted to see how much different it is, but, but really, it's pretty, it's pretty much the same, although the characters are kind of given different looks, you know. The characters are, the names are the same, but things are quite different, if you know what I mean. And if you've seen the game, really, you know, when I post this on YouTube, you know, on anything, you can actually let me know what your thoughts on this game, but, but the bottom line is, you know, Golden Knight 007, the 2010 version, which was developed by Eurocom and published by Activision, I, I didn't like it. It's basically, you know, it, basically, the way to say it is, it was a modern reimagining of the 95 uh, GoldenEye film, obviously. It was basically, the, it was the remake of the 97 one on the N64, but, the, but really, it, I, I, it's like I said, you know, never had any intent to play it, never liked it, and really, it says it's got general positive reviews, but, but for me, no interest at all. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to remind you that Rage Quit is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. I want to thank y'all so much for coming by tonight to listen to me talk about Double Seven Goldeneye on the N64, the most influential game 
from our, my childhood. Definitely a game that will always be in my heart and a game that I would love to have the chance to play one more time. Y'all have a good night. Happy New Year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.